maybe that's a subtle promise of Web3, which is like allowing us to tear down borders and navigate this like borderless digital world based upon our merits and achievements and accomplishments. And going into this digital realm, it allows us to play World of Warcraft with people on the other side of the world. Some of my best friends and fondest memories as a gamer was playing with like people in the UK, which was magic to me at 13 years old. But on the other side of that, we also have to keep these things sacred and respect them, which is why I think the financial aspect bothers me, because we've defined tokens, we've defined so many things, but maybe let's define currency. And let's define currency as a way to surface a current or a flow of value. Now, there's other types of valuable things in this world other than dollar signs. Hello, I'm Somi Ariad. I'm a tech philosopher and the founder of Impeak. My guest on today's podcast is Jeremy Paris from Delphi Digital. This interview is part of my Q&A series with a number of VCs in the Web3 space, where I take the opportunity to gain mentorship and feedback on navigating the current state of the market. In this process, I hope that other founders and investors in a similar position will also benefit from hearing these insights. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for joining me for this conversation today. This is part of my uh, VC interview series because, as you know, we are raising. And I thought that this would be a great opportunity for me to pick the brains of some of the best minds in, in the industry. So the reason why I wanted to do this series is because I use these conversations as more of a mentorship for myself. And then I think that the things that I discuss is also useful for other entrepreneurs building whether in the Web3 space or even outside of Web3 that are thinking about maybe coming into the space. So there are a number of real challenges that we are facing right now. The short-term challenges, which is to do with the state of the market. You know, as we are having this conversation yesterday, we had this news about CZ and Binance, which is quite concerning, you know, and I'm just thinking, are we going to have another FTX all over again? So there's the, the, the daily challenges of the ups and downs of the regulatory front. And then there is the, you know, long-term challenges of the technology itself being quite difficult and not quite there yet and ready for mass adoption. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience in the Web3 space as an investor, how long you've been in the space, how many Web3 startups you have worked with, and, and whether you solely work with Web3. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, really excited to be here with you. I've had many great conversations with you, so I suspect this will be another one of those. Um, so yeah, my name is Jeremy Paris. I'm a ventures associate over at Delphi Digital. Um, Delphi Digital, we do research investing, and then we also have our labs and media arms. Um, and we have been in the space since um, well, 2017, 2018, a good few years now, started off as research, transitioned into ventures, and then kind of brought consulting inwards to our labs arm, and then things have kind of evolved since there. Um, I specifically stay hyper-focused on gaming, metaverse, NFTs, and then more recently, sort of reputation and identity, I would call it. And besides the investing part, my favorite part of the job is actually getting to jump into the trenches with founders and help them think through their token models. Um, I don't think there's any experts in this space when it comes to sort of token engineering and working with tokens, but it's really cool to be at sort of the cutting edge of that and thinking through problems. I've been with Delphi for about two years now. Um, I've brought a bunch of different games and infrastructures and uh, plays and guilds to our 
portfolio company. Um, some of those being, well, ones that I might not have necessarily brought, but that are part of the portfolio, things like Axie, Alluvium, um, Avalon, we announced recently, CCP, which is Evo Online, recently got announced. Um, we've worked with the likes of YGG and Internet Games. Um, NOR is one that we based one of our more recent gaming theses around. We've worked with the likes of Crypto Unicorns and Crypto Raiders and um, a bunch of different ones sort of across the board um yeah it's 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 something different every single day that's for sure which is, i think is why the job is so much fun because it's either speaking with founders and um just getting to have great in-depth conversations or working on a token model that might be you know keeping me up at night and sort of problem solving there or going to conferences i mean it's just um a really strange place to find ourselves in but uh and a super exciting one nonetheless that's amazing i think you have one of the most interesting jobs on the planet, you know, I always think like once I build this company, I want to, you know, go into investment. And and the reason is it's just one of the nicest things, especially once you have built something really big and then, you know, or, or you have worked with a lot of startups, it's kind of like being close to the sun and that kind of adrenaline must be fantastic. Right. So, so, so that's really cool. So you mentioned token models. I want to come back to that. That's something that's very much on my mind. And I'm, I've been thinking a lot about it. First things first, as an entrepreneur, waking up every morning, bombarded by these bad news, you know, at the moment. So if you're in a bull market, it's constant FOMO. You're constantly thinking, I've not done enough. Everybody else is doing, you know, like everything is moving so fast. And then if you're in the in a bear market, you're like, oh, this thing is just like, um, you know, it's just not working, not not going uh, further. You know, how can I pivot? How can I expand? When we first started, our initial uh, focus was mostly try trying to bring in more women into this space. Then uh, we realized that was a small market. It wasn't it wasn't really going anywhere. And the platform that we were bu building, there was no reason specifically to focus on women. So so then we expanded. So initially, there was a lot of excitement about Web3. So so we've pivoted all of our focus, all of our content from being about the general business and entrepreneurship and AI to being more focused on Web3. Now the attention is going away from Web3. It's just like people are just not interested. They're like, I don't want to hear about another wallet. I've had enough. Like my, my wallet is burning, you know, like, <laughs> you, know? you know, my pocket is burning, right? So right. Um, if you were a Web3 entrepreneur, especially in the content space right now, you know, and, and of course, for as you know, you already know our business model. The content for us is just an initial touch point. Then we are building a whole infrastructure underneath that, which is to do with digital identity. As you know, you know that's that's really the, the focus are, uh, of what we are doing. Ultimately, we want to build a whole new layer of digital identity that will power this professional networking and talent pool and all that stuff. But content is the in initial touch point, And people are just not as excited about Web3 right now. So yeah. if you were an entrepreneur building in the space, what would you do with the current uh, state of the market? Because a few weeks ago when I was in consensus, people were saying, okay, the market is improving because the uh, price of ETH was over 2000 at that time. Now we are seeing new regulatory issues. So we'd love to know, what would you do? Yeah, I guess there's a couple different ways we could take this one. Um... Because I feel like it would depend on how you are sitting as a founder right now. Because I feel like people are either heads down building or heads down trying to raise capital to build. So I guess it would depend on which bucket I would fall into. So maybe I'll just quickly touch upon both sides. If I was 
bootstrapped and had some runway and I wasn't so worried about the market for the next, let's call it year and a half, two years, whatever that time horizon is. Um, I have a good war chest, let's say. I think, and this is going to sound cliche, but I think I would be heads down building and not so much building because that's obvious. But I think right now what I enjoy about the bear market is it does give us a little bit of breathing room to build some of those relationships because the market isn't so frothy, right? I think um, I had a founder say something to me recently and I like the way he put it, right? Because we were talking about like L2s and should I go to IMX or should I go to Ovid? Like, where should I go, right? And um, he said something along the lines of, I want to go to where like the momentum is, right? Because at the end of the day, it's not always necessarily the best technology that wins out. It's kind of where the momentum is and where like there's uh, a good network happening and there's like people gathering around like exciting ideas. And again, we don't always see the best tech win. So I think I'd be trying to build my momentum as a founder and as a company, building out my um, network and my network effects, because I think at the end of the day, if we zoom out a little bit, and this is sort of my token brain thinking now, I think in Web3, the way I like to think about token engineerings and tokenomics and all these things is um, if we use them right, we could do really cool things with gamification, but then also um, we could gamify like network building, right? Because I think at the end of the day, and again, to zoom out, uh, Web3 is one giant game, it's one giant MMORPG. And so the question in my head becomes, how do I build a good network around me? Because I think the metaverse kind of looks like an interconnected web of networks, right? The bigger networks are going to be some of the bigger products that win out. I guess if I was on the other side and trying to raise capital, I I would be doing something similar. I'd be building relationships as well. Um, Some of my favorite investments were things that we had initially maybe passed on or had a long time sort of getting to know each other and like building that relationship and iterating together along the way. And then eventually um, we unlock something to where the investment made sense, right? I think it's really hard to quantify the value of a relationship because you just can't quantify it, right? And I think sometimes, um, especially in anything like really heavily financialized, especially VCs, a lot of our meta or the way our brains work is in a very financial way. And if we can't quantify something, um, it kind of makes us uncomfortable, right? Because am I allocating my time correctly? Am I going to be able to get an ROI on this? I have to answer to LPs. So sometimes some of those unquantifiable things could be some of the most important things that help unlock something down the road or like open up a door, right? And then of course, um, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways we could we could take that. But yeah, maybe the TLDR and the heuristic there is just building relationships. I don't know yeah. if that's a good answer, though. No, I think that's a great answer. And that's exactly what I'm doing, you know, with this yeah. podcast. You know, in six weeks, I traveled to the U.S. three times. And the reason is that I wanted to build those relationships. And as a result of that, I went there, met people. So there's the the part where you're building your industry relationship. And then the there's a part where you're uh, building your relationship with, with the community. So it's really, really tough keeping people excited and that's one of the characteristics of web3 that that makes it hard so so going back to this idea of when the attention is not there like when i was in la carly riley she had an interview with frank d god and kevin rose about the current state of the market and and frank was saying 
Like one of the things that she, he finds really hard is if he posts something and the attention is not there and, and all of his time is spent on how do I post something that gets enough attention. What I love about Web3 is that because it builds community, it helps people find meaning and find purpose. And I think Web3 is, uh, is potentially super powerful for helping people get through the impact of these constant technological you know, changes. But the problem is, that Web3 technology is not very accessible right now and the attention is not there right now. So it's all good. You get your head down and build, but if people don't really care about it right now, what, what should we do? Yeah, lots of things to touch on there. A couple, couple maybe threads to pick up on timelines. I think timelines are, well, okay, there's two, two things I want to touch upon and then we'll kind of try to um, sneak up to your question, right? One being timelines, one being like the chicken or the, the egg sort of issue. Timelines, I think we get really deeply entrenched in this idea of Web3 and crypto and blockchain, NFT, tokens. Um, and then in the same breath, we'll talk about how we have to onboard people and account abstraction and uh, making this thing mainstream, right? I think we've seen a couple rebrands happen in Web3. Web3 was rebrand. We call it Web3 instead of crypto or blockchain, right? And that's to make it more palatable. I think when we look at like the value proposition of what Web3 is, is as a piece of technology to your point about us evolving as a species or a culture, we are becoming a digitally native species or culture is the way I would frame it. And blockchain is a much more digital native type of technology that helps transition us, as you say, into this more digital native world, right? This is why we have digital native currency, which is tokens. Um, it's why I think we need other types of tokens that we need to bring on chain that represents like actions and um, um, different things that we do, like soul bound tokens and other kind of identifiers, right? Because we need to bring our activity on chain as well. I'm not, I'm not like a token maxi by any means, but to the point about timeline, if we zoom out five or six, 10 years, um, using gaming as an example, I don't think we're saying Web 2 gaming, Web 2.5 gaming, Web 3 gaming. I think we're talking about gaming, right? And same thing with a lot of these different pieces of tech, right? I think blockchain gets abstracted away as a whole, and we just talk about technology. We're going to be talking about social media and my accounts and my avatars and this and that. It's not going to be my decentralized identity that's attached to this wallet on this chain, right? It's going to be like, yeah, that's uh, my profile on Fortnite or whatever the case may be. Right. So that's one thing. And then the chicken or the egg thing, and this kind of is getting back to your actual question. I think the hard thing about being a founder right now, from what I hear and I have people tell me and sort of a thread I picked up on is you need, well, community is handy in sort of like surfacing KPIs and like identifying traction and validating your products. And you need those people to gather data to continue iterating upon, right? But sometimes maybe the community, and this depends on your product as well, right? Depends on what we're talking about. Sometimes opening the Pandora box of the community can be difficult because once I think you start onboarding a huge community, if you don't have a product already, what you're engaging in is what I call like the fight to kill time, right? To keep them entertained, to keep that attention economy spinning. And so it's the chicken and the egg thing. I need the community to justify my product and then maybe go out and raise some capital based upon those KPIs. Um, but maybe that community might come back and, and bite me in a certain kind of way. We've seen a lot of communities turn sour. 
I think that's an interesting thing to kind of like double click on and examine why have some of these communities gone sour. And again, very blanket statements here. Um, I think it's because a lot of things in Web3 are hyper-financialized, right? The community is aggregating around you because there's some promise of a token or there's any sort of financial aspect, you know, there's a lot of speculation going on in the space. And sometimes I think communities gather under one uh, context, as in like, this is a community, but then once the financial aspect starts to go south at all, or there isn't some sort of value delivered within a certain timeline, that community could go sour. So if I was a founder, I would be very, I don't know what the right word is here, almost afraid <laughs> yeah, to bring I, on a huge community without having something for them to interact with or like a product, right? Um, but then again, I understand, well, I don't understand because I'm not a founder, but I can imagine as a founder, you you also need the community as well, not only for the KPS, but as you said, for the motivation, you know, you got people excited about what you're doing and you feel like you're making a difference and you are, you know, we are building the future. Yeah, that's super interesting because the hyper-financialization, it's quite sad because, you know, people would, would sell their soul sometimes for, for one ETH, you know, like, like literally, like, you know, you could, you could build the most deepest kind of connection but when the market goes down and they can't get uh, liquidity anywhere else they will sell anything to make up for their losses right so as somebody who works a lot on token economy and i've been thinking a lot about this recently so one of the things you said was that we are going to eventually abstract away the technology but if we abstract away the technology how do we differentiate from big corporations. So for example, right now, Google yesterday, they, they announced that uh, they're going to test logging into your Google um, workspace without password. So they're trying the passwordless route, which is what we are trying to achieve with wallets, right? So technically soon it's gonna be indistinguishable if you are using a decentralized media or, or mm -hmm. platform or not. And unless you are somebody who is really savvy, who understands the difference between centralized and decentralized, you may just opt for whatever is easiest. So I think where we can differentiate is the token economy. You know, that's one of the ways that we can accrue some of the value back to our users and our, our communities. But I was thinking like we can start creating a point system initially that will then the points will eventually lead to some kind of token distribution. But when, when you do that, the moment you put that thought out, people start to game it and it becomes difficult. People kind of like get uh, distracted by the token and, and don't really pay attention to the actual product that you're building. Yeah. We've seen that with Blair, right? We've seen it with marketplaces in general. And, and yeah. I think that it's a problem that uh, a lot of communities are going to have. So first question, let's focus on once we abstract away the, the technology, how do we differentiate from big tech? I think I see where you're going with that. And it's a great question, right? Again, um, not to harp on the same point, I think it goes back to timeline, right? Okay, so I think we think in our industry on like a one to three year timeline for the most part again i'm going to be speaking in like broad blanket statements this whole conversation so um you could play devil's advocate to everything i'm going to say i think a lot of times our timelines are thought of like one to three years as to where a google a facebook whatever epic um they're thinking in 10 20 year timelines right so 
I think we need to zoom out, right? And in zooming out, we now have to question other things like tokens, like what are the products we are building? I think if we zoom out in 10 years time, we're not going to be talking about tokens the same way um, you're using token right now. Because when you say token economy, again, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, and, and, and I know you don't think this, but I'm going to pick on you a little bit just to make a point. Like when you say token economy, it's you're probably approaching that from like a more financialized sort of mindset or framework, right? But I think a token economy has to do with a lot of different types of tokens, right? And so the question becomes, what types of tokens are we going to have within our ecosystem in 10 years time, right? And then along the way, as those tokens get onboarded into Web3, what kind of products are we going to be able to build with those different types of tokens? That's big web uh, web two, <laughs> big uh, tech giants won't be able to build, right? So let's define token, first of all. And this is going to be my definition. So again, um, people in the comments disagree. <laughs> token, um, anything, any piece of data brought on chain, right? This and, and to date, these things that have been brought on chain are for the most part financialized pieces of data brought on chain, whether it be ETH, Bitcoin, AXS, SLP, Aave, Synthetics, whatever the case may be, we could think of that as like a dollar symbol or a thing of value being brought on chain. Even NFTs, for the most part, I would almost classify as financial items because they they're like JPEGs being brought on chain that have a dollar amount associated with them and other types of value, but we use them mostly in financial ways, right? Not all the time. Um, but what other types of things can we bring on chain, right? What other types of tokens? If we do bring those SBTs, if we do bring um, time spent, geolocation, actions, behaviors, um, if it's gaming, like my types of games I like to play, if we start bringing other pieces or other tokens on chain, that does allow us to build new types of products. Because if we think of a token as an access token, a thing that we could access a thing of value with, the question then becomes a little bit more interesting. If you are building a product as a founder, you're going to have valuable things within your product, thing of value. Now, if you gate that thing of value, the question becomes what types of tokens are required to access that thing of value, right? So let's say it's governance. Um, right now, we don't have good tokens to identify like a proof of governor. So what types of tokens do we need to create this proof of governor and to start gating and creating more robust governance or more robust hierarchies within our ecosystems, right? So to get back to your point, what kind of products can we build in this decentralized world, right? What types of products can we build um, with these token economies that people like Google, Apple, Facebook might not be able to build um, like we can in Web3 because they're already giant tech companies that can't build from the ground up. It's going to go top down, not ground up. So last thing I'll say, and then I'll throw it back over to you. Um, things of value, right? For me, what might be valuable in 10 years is owning my data, right? And owning my data might mean having a bunch of tokens associated with my decentralized identity that allow me to travel through this digital um, world that we're marching toward that I might not be able to do with Google, or maybe I'm fenced into Google's walled garden. And in 10 years time, maybe we aren't going to put up with that. And so we might offer a different alternative, right? Um, so I think maybe that's how we'll be able to tell things apart is, you know, to sound cliche is like walled gardens and sort of centralized things versus decentralized things. Mm. But I also think there's a world where both these things exist because maybe you just don't care about that. And that's fine. 
but I want to own my data and have value driven back toward me as opposed to being driven toward Facebook or Google, right? So so that takes a level of education to explain the value of that to people. I disagree. No, you don't think you think that No, not if we not if we abstract away all of it. Like owning your data is a pretty simple concept. And then like mm-hmm. being able to monetize your data is also a simple concept. Yeah. Let's if you if like you put that. the monetize bit to it, yes. I think well, own your data. We need to, but that's the way we need to talk about these things. It can't be you have tokens associated with your wallet. It's like no, if you come onto my platform, you own your data. That's a great narrative. Yeah. And we're going to pay you for your data. Exactly. And you're going to be able to do what you want to do with your data. And then you're going to be able to go over here with your data and get all this benefit. Let's just say that instead of saying you have to spin up this wallet because it's going to be abstracted away. And you're going to bring your NFTs and your tokens over here. That's also abstracted away. So let's just talk like normal people. Exactly. So there is that financialization aspect to it. But what we need to do is with our token economy to design it in a way so that people don't eat their marshmallow too quickly and hold on to it. Right. And it's interesting when I look at something like Blur or, you know, some of the other kinds of forms of tokens that are being designed right now, um, that sustainability doesn't seem to be necessarily of interest to them. Um, it, It seems like it's more of a a short-term thing, but what the way I'm thinking with, for example, with Impeak is that uh, we would have um, a, a specific kind of token that it, that uh, accrues to the creators for having, you know, having their channels on the platform and building their communities on the platform, and uh, and the more community they build, the more they will eventually they will get, you know, a return. Uh, you know, through the tokens that they get. And then, of course, their communities will also get tokens for their their engagement and and all that stuff. But I suppose this then brings up the question of how do you then monetize if you are, in this case, would that be that this platform, let's say in in the case of our Impeak, would that be that this platform only monetizes through that token economy? Because these are two different things. There is a question of, you know, are you completely Web3 or are you Web2 yeah. and Web3? If, sure. if you have investors, those investors are going to want to see return, right? So in most cases, we are seeing that people are raising VC and they are thinking about developing a token. We see sure. it with proof. We see it with it. So this is where things get a little bit complicated. I'm thinking about like, how do we explain yeah. this? Yeah. So, so yeah. It's, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. It's a great, great question. And I'll, I'll start off with maybe something controversial. <laughs> um, the, the, the landscape of VC is insane. And what I mean by that is, and maybe we'll use your marshmallow analogy here. We love freaking eating marshmallows. Right. Um, and what's insane about that, I'll give you an example, right? A lot of times we'll say things like, when you're talking about the metaverse, we're going to build the Fortnite of this thing, or we're going to build the Roblox of this thing, right? Or whatever the case may be. What's insane about that is if you look at the history of technology, it took like seven years to get to Fortnite, right? A lot of these things aren't overnight creations. The idea isn't, if you build it, they will come. The idea is you need to build a digital third home that is fun, that people want to hang out with, um, that um, is in the right place at the right time. Like there's so many different factors here. So like 
I just just want to throw that out there. Like a lot of the times, the things that we say is like VC people is insane. It doesn't make any sense, right? And then we expect founders to go out there and then build new Fortnites when you can't. You're not Epic. You're not Tim Sweeney. Epic took decades for it to become Epic, right? And Unreal and all these things. Um, but to get back to your point once again, I think maybe another way to look at a token economy, right, is you need to couple different things here. You need to inject like meaning into your product to build something on top of it, right? So what would be cool for me, and I'm just going to like make up a situation here, like I'm, I have a company and I'm coming to Inpeak. What I would want to see, right, is all the tools on Inpeak that allow me to build my community, that allow me to build my culture, right? That allow me to build my product and platform on top of your product and platform, right? Now, what's going to be important for me doing that, and this is the way my brain works, I want to curate and filter my community all along the way, because I want to build a strong foundation first of like my true 100 fans, and then my true 1000 fans that all align to sort of my 10 commandments of this product, right? Or like the core vision of this product so that I could create that digital third home and that digital third home being a place that with like-minded people that I like to hang out, right? Now, maybe to put up those filters and to curate that community, to come into my community, you need to have X, Y, and Z token within your wallet. Maybe you need to hold the NPEAK token to prove that you are of this certain financial level because this is the whale party over here. But then maybe I need to see a couple um, soulbound tokens from first-person video games. So I know you're a first-person shooter because this is my first-person whale party, first-person shooter whale party, right? And then maybe you have to have these NFTs from these metaverses so you could fit in with the aesthetic of our party over here, right? And then maybe the in-peak token, so like, okay, first utility there is like, I'm using the in-peak token as like a identifier of wealth. And then maybe I, as a founder, as I gate and build up this community like Discord, I'm using in-peak tokens, or maybe all the marketplaces and tools that I'm using have to be transacted in with in-peak tokens. And I mean, there's a hundred different ways we could go with this. Um, or maybe it's none of those things, right? Maybe there's a tax that gets transferred into NP token and then issued back to the creator as like a rebate token to make it more sticky, like a rewards program, right? Like my point being like, there's a lot of different ways we could design this token economy, but we have to like identify what we're trying to accomplish first before slapping a token economy on there and like go through the process of like discovering what the NP native token economy might look like using financial tokens, other types of tokens to build a vibrant place where a community can thrive um, based upon something other than speculation. I thought a lot about a lot of different use cases for our tokens. So for example, yeah. let's say if you are, if, because we are kind of comparing ourselves to LinkedIn, right? So sure. let's say, for example, you are Tim Ferriss on LinkedIn. Now on LinkedIn, uh, at the moment, I can reach out to anybody because I've got a premium sales navigator account. They give me 150 emails uh, per every three months, which means that I can reach out to anybody. None of those people give a you know damn to read uh, those messages because they get so many of those, so it means nothing. But if Tim Ferriss had uh, you know a price 
where it said to reach out to me, you need to spend this much token, right? So, so then you would have to spend. So basically like air miles, just like you would need to spend air miles to get to another uh, uh, country, you, you have to spend air miles to uh, reach out to Tim Ferriss. And it's a price that he put, and it could be that there's only a limited number available per, per month. Like the way it works on LinkedIn is that they give you 150, uh, 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 you know, in-mails and you can oh. use those in-mails the way you want. That doesn't make any sense. It makes more sense if Somi says that my uh, capacity is replying to five messages per month because I'm so busy. My, so so there's a limit of five messages and then you can enter a waiting list or you can you can bid higher i'd love to i'd love to rip riff off of that because um and like maybe just play with it a little bit mm-hmm. so like maybe i jeremy set a certain price but maybe financial things don't matter to me jeremy and i'd rather set my like filter for my inbox to something other than like in peak or like because maybe like i want to like because for me, my favorite part about the job is talking to the smartest people in the space. So maybe I could filter my inbox saying, like, if you're a part of these VCs and you have like the VC blue check mark, yeah, yeah, like things could come in. And then maybe to your point, like I use InPeak token to unlock um, that feature where I can message people direct, um, if that makes sense, right? Because for me, like I want to filter who's coming in because maybe Tim Ferriss doesn't use LinkedIn, and same reason I don't use LinkedIn because it's a dumpster fire right it's not high quality it's not filtered it's not curated right and we want to build a curated version of that so like i'm fascinated by the idea of networking i love building an amazing network and and the reason is that you know if i show you a picture of where i was born you would never believe where i am now so like i i was born during the iran iraq war we lived in a basement i didn't know anybody i come from a very oppressive background Um, when I was 17 I was forced to marry my cousin he he said that I would lock you up until your hair is as white as your teeth you know like this this was like the kind of background that I come from so I was really really restricted my parents wouldn't let me talk to anybody so when I was very young uh, I discovered English and I fell in love with it and I found that there was a another world out there and I could teach myself this language and I could read books from you know, outside of the culture that I was, because I was brought, I was brought up in Tehran. So uh, I started teaching myself English. And then I discovered there was this bookshop across the Tehran University. This is when I was like 14 years old. So I would get on this mini bus and I would go to uh, this, this bookshop where there was this guy who was an expat, you know, from the US and he had secondhand bookshops in English. So I would go there and I would buy these secondhand novels in English, bring them back, you know, and read them, like devour them. And when he found out that I was so fascinated by it, he gave me, he said, I'll give you a deal where if you go and, you know, take two of the books and come back and tell me the summary in English. So he was helping me learn, practice my English, come back and tell me the summary in English. I'll give you another extra book for free. You know, and, and, and this was my first foray into building my network. I was like, wow, like, this is so interesting. Like I can, I can just like build friendships and build these connections with people, uh, you know, just because I speak this language. By the time I was 17, I started working as a tour guide for European tourists that came to Tehran. And then they gave me VIP 
tours from embassies. So I built my network. And, and I, all of a sudden, by the time I was 19, I had I was like having lunch with ambassadors. And, you know, like I, I was like, I just built an amazing network of people. And then I got a job offer um, in, in the Dutch embassy in Tehran. So that's why I was always fascinated by the idea of you could come from nowhere and you could build a network and you could you could like build, you know, uh, build friendships, meaningful friendships. Like we have already raised, um, you know, our pre-seed fund. All of the people who have invested are my friends. Like, you know, literally like, you know, my, my, my dentist, my, <laughs> you know, like my, you know, beauty therapist, uh, my clients from my other company, everybody yeah. has invested in my company because I built that network. So that's why I loved LinkedIn at first, you know, when I came into it, I was like, this is, this is supposed to be a place for, uh, professional networking and building building a network but actually there's so many things wrong with it and and now i see an opportunity for us to use uh, web3 technology to uh, you know really reinvent this idea of building a network and right. and right now there is a real problem you know finding a network building a network on on twitter uh, on uh, discord none of these platforms are built for it so now the question is we always talk about tokens can be used to align incentives so here's where we need to think about whose incentives are we talking about and then how can we design this token economy in a way that it really encourages building meaningful relationships and then build from there i guess right uh, you know so of course if you are tim ferris you have no problem reaching to anybody in the world so you don't need to build your network but you may want to give back and and you know for that giving back maybe you want you want to set a limit of you know uh, how many people you are going to interact with per month or you know or, or if you are an investor like yourself you know you want to be part of a specific type of community or, or group of people that you want to interact with or what if there was like a mastermind where if everybody who had received investment from Delphi Digital, that they could be part of this mastermind series, right? And that's another kind of use cases of that. But then yeah. it comes when it comes to monetization, that's where things could break down because different people have got different incentives, different things yeah. that tickles their, their fancy, <laughs> you know, in some ways, right? That's so my uh, brother-in-law would say different strokes for different folks. But yeah. um, that's beautiful what you just said. And I think you brought together so much of this conversation so let me repeat some of it back to you because i was taking some notes on the side because you said so many things so beautifully maybe that's sort of like the punch one of the punchlines of this conversation right and a subtle promise of web3 which is like allowing us to tear down borders and navigate this like borderless digital world based upon our merits and achievements and accomplishments right um and that's like the beautiful promise of Web3, right? And going into this digital realm, it allows us to play World of Warcraft with people on the other side of the world. Some of my best friends and fondest memories as a gamer was playing with like people in the UK, which was magic to me at 13 years old, right? Um, and it kind of allows the American dream, so to say, to go global or to go into the digital realm, right? And the American dream being pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, which is what you did via your network and maybe one of the few paths that allowed you to, you know, find yourself in this um, certain timeline, right? Because I have those moments every day, as I know you do, where I can't believe what I get to do. As you said, like at the beginning of this conversation, like I, I really do think I have one of the most interesting jobs in the world and it's 
why I love talking to people like you because I know you think that too. And it's the passion that fuels our fire, right? But on the other side of that, we also have to keep these things sacred and respect them, which is why I think the financial aspect bothers me because we we like squeeze them for all their words to get an ETH out of them or whatever the case may be. So we need to we need to respect these things, meaning that we need to realize there's different types of currencies in this world other than dollar signs. So let's def we've defined tokens, we've defined so many things, but maybe let's define currency, right? And let's define currency as a way to surface a current or a flow of value. So we assign a currency to a current or a flow of value. Now there's other types of valuable things in this world other than dollar sign. It could be your clout, it could be your reputation, it could be your intelligence, it could be your achievements, it could be your um, certificates, your whatever the case may be. And by tokenizing some of those things and bringing those things to ourselves, it allows us to go out into this digital world and pursue other types of valuable things but it's the valuable thing it's the things that we find valuable right and then if we have done the things we needed to we get to go access them right um and for me like i'm lucky enough to like not have my number one valuable thing be like a dollar sign it's intellectual stimulating conversations or sharing ideas with people or helping build things right so yeah, we need to we need to respect and cherish this digital world we're marching into. But we also uh, need to other. make money for our investors. <laughs> this is true. This you know? is true. It's the chicken and the egg. Yeah. The, it's the chicken, the egg, the timeline. It's tough because we're in late stage capitalism. And I mean, and this is coming from the guy who's a VC as well. So Yeah, I, I know. I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's difficult, right? Yeah. Um, okay. We know the value of these token technology. We know the value of it. We know that how much you can do with it. But one of the challenges that I have right now, again, as a founder in, in Web3, is that actually there are a lot of people, like G-Money, for example. So he wants to run his uh, sessions on our platform, but he doesn't want to use just the, his token. So the pr problem is that there are lots of new things coming up that yeah. we don't always have an infrastructure for. So, yes. I, so for example, he wants to token gate by people having uh, the subdomain of uh, 90cc. So yes. the problem with that is that I can't token gate with that it, it, because that that's it's a subdomain. You know, it's not like a, a contract address, right? I can't token gate with it. So because that we are now building this jump bot that will take the Discord roles, you know, like it's it's just quite difficult uh, thing to challenge. Next thing, you know, people are now doing ordinals. So how do I token gate with ordinals? You know, that's another, another uh, challenge. Another problem is people are staking. So when you stake, you send your token to another wallet. So how do I... Uh, token gate with with a token that is not in the wallet so so this is three cases i just gave you three cases where token is not in the wallet because it's staked we have bitcoin ordinals we have got uh you know 90cc and i'm at the same time uh in a race to onboard more people to the platform so yeah. that we can so so how do you deal with that so that this could be a nice <laughs> you know final question uh, how do you deal with every day there is a new requirement 
and uh, you have a limited budget and you're trying to onboard as many people as possible? Yeah, yeah. Um, great question. So a couple different ways you can, um, as with anything. Maybe it has to do with those relationships you've built. And G-Money is a great example of this, right? G-Money was able to aggregate and capitalize isn't the right word, but use some of his relationships that he built over the last couple of years, right? To where he was thinking about something and he went, okay, I'm going to tap into my network and have those people build that for me, right? Um, and this is, again, why I love my position, because since I get access to so many different people, it kind of allows me to go out into the ether and try to find those portfolio companies that try to accomplish the things that we're looking for for our port co, right? Another way would be like, again, like maybe going, and like this would be for a separate conversation, it's like, okay, Jeremy, here's, and I'm not saying me, it's like, somebody else smart, right? Um, saying, hey, Jeremy, here's my three different things and going, okay, let's um, think outside the box, take a step back and then like try to crack this from a different way, which is very much what token engineering is, is like starting off with like a problem and then trying to drill down into it and solve it with the tools that we have at our disposal. And the tough part there is knowing all the tools at your disposal to your point with so many tools coming out every single day, right? But like, what are other interesting ways to where if I hold a 9DCC domain, maybe I could mint a soulbound token that is associated I, I with- I offered that, they said no. <laughs> you might get I offered that. I said, <laughs> I will do all the work. I will prepare the soulbound token. We will airdrop it to those people. He said, no, I don't want another token. <laughs> you, yeah, like it's it's a, it, it's a tough uh, spot to... So we are building the jump bot and it will be ready by the end of next week. But that took literally five, six weeks of my developer time, right? Yeah, which is incredibly precious, right? It is incredible, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then to the other part of your question, how do you do that while keeping up with the community and everything else? Yeah. One thing that I've realized, and this isn't an answer, but maybe you'll appreciate it and it kind of touches upon it, is we always like want to be better and we always want to accomplish everything. The grass is always greener on the other side. This is why we have like New Year's resolutions, for example. As I get older, and this sounds so cheesy and outrageous, but like as I get older, like even trying to like keep a handle on my calendar and my schedule and manage time, I've just like I have to come to accept that I'm never going to be able to do that. And it's not a good answer, right? But it's like, I think we just have to like come to terms with the reality of being um, dumb apes, so to say, <laughs> and then like do the best we can with like the tools at our disposal. Now, like that's not a concrete answer, but I mean, that's how I like, I approach the things that give me anxiety in my life. It's like, dude, you know you and you know that you will get there because you wouldn't be here otherwise, right? Yeah. And as long as you don't give up and lose yourself along the way, you're going to get there. You know what I mean? Even if it's fucking hard. And if you like fail in this endeavor and, you know, you hang out like that will carry on because life is funny that way. And like we just never know how things are going to turn out because if Binance crashes tomorrow and all crypto blows up, um, at least we built that culture and we built those relationships to be able to like build up from the ashes and like continue forward. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how we do it, but you know, I'm surrounded with a bunch of like really smart and beautiful and like intelligent people that gives me hope that um, where I lack, I'll be able to tap other people on the shoulders and where they lack, hopefully I can help out. Yeah. Just hang in there. <laughs> Basically yeah, that's the, that's the short answer. All right. That's hang in there, there, everybody.
All right. Thank you so much, Jeremy. This was a great conversation. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jeremy Paris of Delphi Digital. If you're a creator building a community around your content, be sure to check out Impeak. You can now build and monetize your content on the platform through a number of methods, including token gating. Drop me a line via somi.arian at impeak.xyz to learn more about how this works and to receive an invite for our beta features. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star rating and write a review. The full interviews are also available on my YouTube channel, The Somi Arian Show. Thank you.